0: Acts chapter 13 and verse 13, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness, And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel as Savior Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes off his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. We'll end a reading here at verse 26. And we pray the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. Let us unite our hearts in prayer as we come to God's word. Our loving Father, we do pray for preparation of heart as we come now to thy precious word. We look to thee for a heart that trembles at thy word. Lord, such a spirit Thou dost not despise. We pray, O God, that Thou wilt cause Thy Word to sink down into our ears, moreover, into our hearts, that the Word will work in us, work mightily in us. O Lord, breathe upon us then by Thy Spirit and give to us wisdom and grace to bring forth the unsearchable riches of thyself and of thy word. Be with us now, we pray, in the Saviour's precious name. Amen. What an imprint David left on the sands of time. He was one of the world's greatest kings. More passages of Scripture are devoted to the life story of David than any other person except the Lord himself. The last half of 1 Samuel, the whole of 2 Samuel, part of 1 Kings, the whole of Chronicles, mainly feature David. Then we have the Psalms, most of which flow from his pen. Before David came to prominent life in Israel, had fallen to a low ebb. The word of God was no longer adhered to. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The profanity, the loose living of Eli's sons, had cast its blight over society. The people as a whole had rejected the Lord that he should not reign over them. Saul was so far removed from what was expected of him that the Lord repented that he had made him king over Israel. The tabernacle... It was no longer in the midst of the camp. It had been abandoned in the fields of the wood. The cry went up, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. In such an hour of departure and crisis, the Lord sought for a man, and he found David. And we read here in verse 22 of Acts chapter 13, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. This is a a direct quotation from 1 Samuel chapter 13 and the verse 14. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. And it would be good to put a marker in here in 1 Samuel chapter 13 because we'll be coming back here and to chapters around it. So put a marker in and we'll assist you through the service. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. When Saul failed, God found a man after his own heart. David was still a youth. He was a young man. And this is what God has to say of him. One after mine own heart. And the Lord is still looking for people of this caliber, of this standing, of those he's still looking for those who delight themselves in him, who purpose to go on with God and to serve him all their days. Now we want to think about this. David, a man after God's own heart. We will consider David in four ways. He was a man after God's own heart. First of all, in regeneration. And this really is the secret of his life. Even as a child, as a youth, David recognized his own sinfulness and his need of the Savior. While minding his father's sheep on the hillside near Bethlehem, David learned valuable spiritual lessons. He looked up into the night sky with its twinkling stars. He watched the sun rising and setting every day. He observed the moon shining with its borrowed light. He noted the rotation of the seasons, each with their particular features And David came to the firm conviction that only a fool, as we read in Psalm 14 in verse 1, only a fool would say in his heart, there is no God. Having pondered all the lessons that nature taught him, instead of seeing himself as important, He said in the words of Psalm 8, uh, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the Son of Man? that thou visitedst him, David said in his heart, God is the great creator of all things. He is the almighty God. How insignificant I am. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. I'm a sinner in the sight of the all-seeing eye of God what did David do with his sin? Did he brush it under the carpet and pretend that it didn't exist? Did he live in a world of make-believe and try to convince himself that all was well? Did he attempt to live a better life? Did he try to do his best before God? None of those things. He said in Psalm 23 and verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my Savior. I shall not want. Martin Luther said that the essence of true religion it lies in the eyes and the eyes of Scripture. And Psalm 23 and verse one is so personal when David can say, "The Lord is my shepherd; He's my savior." As a shepherd, David risked his life to pull the lamb from the jaws of the lion and the bear. He saved that lamb from certain death. And David, he saw the Lord as the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep on the cross. And he looked to the shed blood. Of the Lamb of God. And was born again. He was regenerated. He became a new creature in Christ. And without the new birth. No matter what you may have. You cannot be a person. After God's own heart. Your life cannot be pleasing to God in His holiness and justice while you reject His well-beloved Son. Oh, that everyone present and everyone hearing God's Word would be able to say with David in Psalm 62 and verse 7, In God is my salvation and my glory The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Oh, this is the primary thing, being able to say in God is my salvation. Spiritual life commences here. It starts at the cross. Young person, older person, can you say, And identify with David, the Lord's my shepherd, my savior. So he was a man after God's own heart in regeneration. But secondly, he was a man after God's own heart in consecration. For in this text, Acts 13, verse 22... We have the words, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. He was motivated. David was driven by the will of God. Look at verse 36 of the chapter. David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. And you will see in the margin, uh, the alternative rendering, after he had in his own age served the will of God. This was the whole objective, the whole aim of his life, to do the perfect will of God. This was his prayer. In Psalm 25 and the verse 5, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. And this is the mark of the regenerated soul, it will delight itself in the Lord's will. In the Lord's ways. David was just like a servant waiting on the master's orders. And it's in his word that God reveals his will. It's through the word that we can find the mind of Christ. It's in the word that we can discern the will of God for our lives. It's every detail and and decision. Some today dabble in the occult. They turn to astrology. They make an appointment with the fortune teller. They look for directions, for counsel, for guidance from those sources the Scriptures warn you against such a practice. Saul is a beacon of warning in this respect. Turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 13. So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. Oh, Saul was so different from David. He did not keep to the word. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, the which. Of Endor. He turned to witchcraft. And the verse 14 says. He inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him. And turned the kingdom. Unto David. The son of Jesse. It was so dishonoring. It was so displeasing. Of Saul to seek guidance, direction from the witch of Endor. David, on the other hand, as a young man, he stood ready to do all the will of God It all. Not just some aspects which he found inviting and pleasing to himself, we know that Saul lost the throne through failure to do the will of God fully. In the matter of dealing with the Amalekites, all was to be destroyed, both man and beast. And Saul, he, he, he had his own thoughts. He disregarded God's will Made so plain, he spared a gag and the best of the sheep and the oxen. And in First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 12, the Philistines Samuel had to say to Saul, Therefore said I the Philistines' will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And Saul says, I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Oh, we find him intruding into the office of the priest, offering a sacrifice something which the king ought not to be doing. It was against the will of God. And Saul says, I forced myself to do this. It was even against his own conscience. He did that which was not the plainly revealed will of God. And Samuel has this message for Saul in verse 13. Notice carefully. Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. Samuel has to charge him with folly. And what a foolish thing it is for you or I to act contrary to the revealed will of God. It's the height of folly for us to go in the opposite direction when the Lord has made plain. He has made known His will. The will of God is good, is perfect, and acceptable. Oh, may your will and mine be lost in the divine will. A young man asked an older Christian, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? And the older believer said it means three things. A man on a cross is facing only one direction. And secondly, he is not going back. And thirdly, he has no further plans of his own. And that was true of Paul. He said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. I am dead. To all besides the divine will. What wilt thou have me to do? Was Paul's prayer. Epaphras was a, a man of prayer. He knew how to lay hold on God. And in Colossians chapter 4 and the verse 12. He prays for these believers in Colossae. And his prayer is fervent. He labors in prayer for them. And his prayer is focused in verse 12. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Oh, may that prayer be answered in our lives, that in our time, in this dark and degenerate day, we will stand perfect and complete in all of God's revealed will. Oh, I delight in his command, love to be led by his dear hand, His divine will is sweet to me, hallowed by blood-stained Calvary. David, a man after God's own heart in regeneration, in consecration, and thirdly, in imitation. When it came to choosing a new king to succeed Saul, David was not the natural successor as far as human choice was concerned. Samuel was told to go to the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and he would find a a king among his sons. And when Eliab, Jesse's oldest son, stood before Samuel he was mightily impressed. Without reservation, Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel was impressed by outward appearance. The Lord is the one who sees the heart. And in First Samuel chapter 16... Verses 10 and 11, we discover that seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel. And Samuel had to say to Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. Not one of these seven sons of yours has been set apart to the throne. Verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said there remaineth yet the younger the youngest and behold he keepeth the sheep. Jesse didn't even think of sending for the youngest. He's he's just a youth. He's a shepherd, Samuel, and he's not cut out to be the sovereign. And Samuel said to Jesse, send for him. And the verse 12 explains, he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, or as the margin says, he was fair of eyes. And goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. David, ruddy, of a beautiful countenance, fair of eyes. Is there anyone else in Scripture referred to in this way? Yes, there is. There is the beloved in the Song of Solomon, the bride in chapter 5. She views the bridegroom, the wonderful picture of our Lord and Savior. And she says in chapter 5 of the Song of Solomon, verse 10, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. And she describes the wonder of his person. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. She mentions his eyes and the sh- his cheeks, his hands. And she comes to the great conclusion in verse 16. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. Oh, what a likeness David has to Christ. What an imitation David is of the Lord. What did Goliath have to say about David? He noticed these features and mocked them. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 42. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Goliath, that enemy of God, the spiser of, Ez- of Israel, the type of the devil. He hated the likeness that he saw in David to the Lord. It was so striking that even that emissary of hell, he could not help but notice it. And this is the purpose of God in salvation. Conformity. Likeness to the Lord. The longer husband and wife live together, the more they act and talk alike. And the more we commune with the Lord in prayer, and the more God talks to us through his word, so the likeness grows. In our own personal devotions this morning, we were reading in Psalm 115, and the gods of the heathen are mentioned in that psalm. The verse 4, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they but they see not, they have ears, but they see not, they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not, they have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not, neither speak they through their throat. But the verse 8 says, They that make them are like unto them, so is one that trusteth in them. There is a conformity on the part of the heathen to their idol gods. Oh, may there be a greater conformity in our lives to the living and the true God. The kings of Midian, Gideon had to take them to task for they had slain some of his people. In Judges chapter 8 and verse 18, Gideon said to Seba and Salmuna, these Midianite kings, what manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, as thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king those heathen kings of Midian, they could not feel but see that there was something different about Gideon's people, God's people. Each one resembled the children of a king. May there be an imitation in us. May there be a likeness to an Increasing degree and measure of the Lord in us. May others take knowledge that we have been with the Savior. And then lastly, David was a man after God's own heart, in reputation, in reputation, when Saul was troubled and full of anxiety, disturbed by an evil spirit. His servants were anxious to bring him relief. And where could they turn to? Who could they bring that would comfort Saul's spirit? In First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 17, Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants, verse 18, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. David's reputation spoken out in these words. What a reputation he has. He is away out there among the sheep performing that humble task. But such is his reputation that it reaches the king's palace. He is known as one whom the Lord is with. David has made a name for himself. As a godly young man. We all have a reputation. And when people are summing up your life and mine. What do they say? Do they say oh he or she is a Christian, a believer. Are we marked out as one of the lords? Timothy had a great reputation. Paul spoke of him in Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Derby verse 1 and Lystra and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Do you see the reputation that Timothy has in these areas? He's well reported off. They have good words to say about Timothy. The same is true of Ananias in Damascus in Acts chapter 22 and verse 12. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which Dwelt there. He was well spoken about in Damascus. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch, Acts eleven and verse twenty six, and the word Christian means Christ ones. They had the reputation of being Christ's ones. Oh, may this be true of us. May we be known as followers of Christ, as those who belong to him. May we be those living epistles known and read of all men. David, a man After God's own heart. May that be increasingly true of ourselves. Let us bow together in prayer, please. Our loving eternal Father, we thank Thee for the things that were written aforetime, written for our learning, and what lessons have flown to us from the life of young David. And we pray, O God, that thou wilt help us to, bore, to bear more and more the likeness to thyself. We pray that truly others will be able to take knowledge of us that we have been with the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that we might stand perfect, and complete in all the will of God. We know that David delighted in doing thy will, all of it. O Lord, help us not to be like Saul, who even went against his own conscience, who went against thy expressly revealed will. Oh, we pray, Lord, that thou wilt help us to delight ourselves in thee and in thy ways. For we know, as for God, his way is perfect. Save us from our own folly. We know that Samuel had to charge Saul with acting foolishly. Oh, Lord, deliver us from that spirit, we pray. May we ever delight ourselves in running in the way of thy commandments. So, Lord, bless our lives, and may we have a fine reputation. May we be winsome believers. May others see Christ more and more in our daily living. Bless thy word to us then, we pray. In the Savior's precious name, amen. Amen.